Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is my God. Yes. I grew up a child of two worlds. I, I would speak Farsi or Persian at home in my Muslim Iranian family. And when I was out, I'd have American friends. And my mother would just continually tell me, you're out among all these Americans and there's Christians and they don't have your faith. You need to be careful and you're better than these people. So that just filled me up with pride. I thought I was so smart because I got recruited out of, out of school to go work on Wall Street. I thought I was brilliant. I thought, man, I'm the best. And, and of course, October 2007 was the decline of the financial industry. The Lord pulled me out of that into the Midwest. And that first week, people started witnessing to me. I was in a class at this new firm I was working at, and there were about 40 new people in the class. And I would just look down on them extremely pridefully. And there was a man in that room who I said, well, he's dressed better than me. And I went over and I said, hey, is anyone sitting next to you? And he said, please join me. And I sat down and I ate lunch with him and I said, what are these books you have that you're reading? And he said, these are books on evangelism. <laughs> the way the Lord leads, I went to him. That's how God is capable of leading. And the, the Christians are perfectly equipped to witness and to share more than they understand. That in individual he never realized just the way he was dressed was exactly the way he needed to be equipped to attract me, to go to him. And we became friends. That period of his life was one of the most difficult financial times he went through. He didn't let that stop him from loving and serving and sacrificially giving to serve and help me. And that floored me. That's what faith was. I don't know what faith is. And every time he quoted scripture, it was like, <laughs> something in my heart would jump. The book, the word of God has power. And the Quran doesn't have this, not even close. And I underestimated the truth of God's power, the truth of God's word, the power of everything I had seen from the living king that was incomparable to the God of power. I underestimated God's love, and I said, Christ is Lord. I squeezed the words out. I believed it in my heart, and I was saved by the grace of God. And so I, I have a desire to see Muslims saved now, to equip the Christians, help them, tell them, look, I'm evidence that God works miracles to bring Muslims to Christ. You just have to faithfully share what God gives you. morning, Parkview. Great to be with you in this missions week. We praise the Lord that your church sees beyond the walls and sees the nations among us. Thank God you have a missions conference. You have a missions committee. You have a missions week. Many churches don't even think of other nations around them. We praise God that this, uh, this Sunday we're going to be talking about what is God doing among Muslims. The news will tell you what is the devil doing among Muslims. But this morning and this, this evening, excuse me, we'll be talking about what is God doing among Muslims. You know, many times people say to me, why are you Christians so happy? Why are you happy? You play music, you worship God, why are you happy? We have war, we have terrorism, we have racism, we have reverse racism. 
Why are you happy? We are happy because we found Jesus. Jesus saves us from the worst disease that hit this planet. It's called sin. Sin hits all races, all religions. But Jesus came to save us from sin, and we are saved. So that's why we're so happy. That's why we're so happy. As a Lebanese uh, uh, American, we always come bearing gifts. So I didn't bring with me any baklava, I'm sorry. But I brought with me some bookmarks that has the Arabic calligraphy that you see on the screen, John chapter 10, verse 10. It's uh, an Arabic calligraphy, and it says, uh, the verse starts, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, our Arab culture is a beautiful culture, and uh, we love calligraphy, so this is the verse. Many times people say, why do you want to share the gospel with Muslims? It's because Jesus. Jesus 2,000 years ago told us to tell everybody, including Muslims, that he has come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now I'm giving you this book on purpose because I want you to pray with us every Friday at noon for God to save Muslims. I said that in New York City at a training. The gentleman in the front said to me, is that Eastern Standard Time? I said, no, sir. When it's 12 o'clock, just pray with us. We started with 25. Now we have 14,000. Can we get a million Americans who would commit to pray for Muslims? Can we get 2 million Americans to commit to pray for Muslims? Our goal is to say, Lord, you make it happen. Like God sent someone to tell Ali Rizza about Jesus. Let's pray, Lord, you make it happen. This is your work. This is your job. Not our job. We are just servants in your harvest. Now, with a name like Fahd, you know I'm not from the United States. I wasn't born and raised in Iowa. And this screen will show you a picture of the city I grew up in. That's the city I grew up in, three blocks from the seashore. Uh, Beirut has 300 days of sunshine, and uh, I live now in Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs> so we pray for sunshine over there. In the inset, you see the country of uh, Lebanon. Lebanon is the size of Connecticut. So I came to America as a college student. I drove 20 hours, and I was still in the state of Texas. <laughs> I mean, from Beirut, Lebanon to Damascus, Syria is an hour and a half. My dad is Lebanese, and my mom is Syrian, so you can say I've been a hostage all my life until I came. <laughs> no, my mom doesn't like that joke. <laughs> Don't tell her she's in Beirut. But during the war in Lebanon, my heart became very hard. Civil war is not easy. We have car bombs. We had snipers. We had uh, surprise bombing. They would start bombing 7 in the morning, 8 in the morning. There was one time a bombing for two hours between the hours of 7.30 and 9.30. 210 people died. 90% of them were kids going on school buses, ages 10, 9, 8. You'll be driving or walking, you see a head or an arm. I have second cousins who fought in the Golan Heights in Yom Kippur War, so I grew up hating the Jewish people, grew up hating the Israelis. They are our enemies. The second people I hated, the war started April 13, 1975 in Lebanon. They hated the Palestinians. They killed my friend Walid at age 18. And I hated the Palestinians, I hated the PLO, I hated Arafat. Arafat will pass behind my house every night at 8 o'clock going to the fighting lines. And I was a young teenager, 
and I hated the Israelis, and I hated the Palestinians. And my solution for the Middle East crisis was to take Israelis and Palestinians to a desert like Arizona, let him fight there, and whoever wins, give him the piece of land, and let's finish with it. Because sadly, tomorrow there'll be another car bomb. Because we raise our kids to hate each other. And my heart was so hard, I decided not to believe in God. If God does exist, I, He is a bad God. I blame God for everything. From losing my friends, my classmates, my, my neighbors. And a friend, of a friend of mine asked me one day, Fahad, if you die tomorrow, where do you go? I said, I don't care. I don't believe in God. He said, but it's too late then. Oops. He's right. The only guarantee on this planet, everybody will die. That's the only guarantee. And that Xbox is staying here. That Mercedes is staying here. You can't take it with you. So I decided to become an agnostic. That's a good word. Is there a God? I don't know. Is there a heaven? I don't know. But I was like a little boat being tossed by the waves. And I decided if God does exist, then God should communicate. So I started studying different religious leaders. And I discovered that Jesus is different than anyone else. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. That's a good one for Congress. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Oh, that's a great verse for the Muslim world. And Jesus says, I no longer call you slave because a slave does not know what the master is doing. I call you friends. The Bible is the only book that says you and I are the friends of Jesus. So I'm studying, I'm thinking, oh, Christ is different. Christ should be the Savior. But this information was in the mind. How did it come to the heart? The Bible says we have to worship God with all our mind. That's your logic. That's your intellect. That's your creativity. Every time you look at an iPhone, that glorifies God. Somebody used their mind. But then the Bible says we should worship God with all our heart. What does that mean? Heart is where your will is. You don't tell your wife, honey, I love you from my, all my mind. She'll say, oh, that's cute. No, I love you from all my heart. You're my one and only. So for me, how did the information about Jesus move from the mind to the heart? We have family friends during the Civil War. They have four kids, and um, they're eating dinner together. And the youngest is a two-year-old son. And while they're eating dinner, they sp he spilled milk. So the father picks up the son goes to the bathroom to wash his hands, and while he's in the bathroom, a mortar shell, usually this, this big, looks like the Goodyear blimp, you know, it's a mortar shell, came through the balcony door, exploded in the middle of the table. Wife and three kids, pieces on the wall. The man survived, picked up a plastic bag, and picked up the pieces of his family, and buried his whole family in one bag. And that was the trigger to move the information about Jesus from the mind to the heart. The problem in Lebanon is not weapons. Weapons don't kill people. We kill people. We killed each other over skin color. We kill each other over religion. And what happened yesterday is about racism. It's sin. The problem is not the weapon. Look at the human race. We killed each other with sticks and stones and cannons. And now we have weapons of mass destruction. The fourth chemical attack, the fourth chemical attack in Damascus was next to my cousins in Damascus. And my favorite thing, United Nations says, oh, it's time to collect the weapons. Oh, really? Oh, they will give you the weapons? 
And then once we collect them, they stop killing each other. The problem is the human heart. The problem is not politics, not money. It's the human heart. The problem was my heart. So I went in my room, I knelt by my bed, and this is what I prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, when you came to earth, you healed the sick and you raised the dead. Forgive me that I hate Jewish people and I hate Palestinians. The more there's war in Lebanon, I want to be a soldier of peace. The more there's hate in this country, I want to be a soldier of love. And God changed my heart. I started praying for the Jewish people. I started praying for the Palestinians. My church that I grew up in, five blocks from the seashore, we had a regular prayer meeting for all the leaders. Because when you are a follower of Jesus, you don't see people by race. You don't see people by education. You don't see people how they voted last year. It doesn't matter. How you, God said to us, if you are saved, you have a job to go tell all people that I have come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This morning, my brother and my sister, if you've experienced Jesus as your Savior, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But my brother and sister, maybe you're here because of a habit, or you came because somebody brought you. I beg you this morning, don't leave without taking Jesus as your personal Savior, because He can change your heart, your will, your value system. The same God who changed my heart and changed your heart can change the hearts of all people, including Muslims. We have a few minutes together that I want to share with you a little bit. What I believe is God talking to the church. This evening, tonight, we'll be talking more about tools on how to build bridges with our Muslim friends. But Lebanon is in the 1040 window. This is the map that shows you the 1040 window. Lebanon is in the middle of it. If you are born in any of these countries, the Bible is banned. It's illegal. It's illegal to have a Bible. It's banned in Morocco, Algeria, Libya, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman. I was on a mission trip in southern Spain giving out Bibles. And um, well, we're giving out Bibles in Arabic. We say, Salaamu Alaikum, we'd like a copy of the Bible. If they say yes, we give it to them. If they say no, we don't give it to them. And so one day the table was next to the curb, and this car slows down, and the driver had a big bushy beard, you know, down to his second button. This means he's devout. So he rolls down the window. I say, Salaamu Alaikum, brother, we're giving the Injil. That's the Arabic word for New Testament. We're giving the Injil of Jesus. Would you like a copy? So he looks at me. He goes, I am the Imam of Amsterdam. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he said. I said, nice meeting you. He said, have you read the Quran, the book of Islam? I said, yeah, 18 times. He goes, in Arabic? I said, yeah, in Arabic. Why, do I look French to you? I'm an Arab. <laughs> so he chuckled. He said, I only read the Quran four times, but I've never read the Injil. I've never read the book of Jesus. I said, sir, here's the book. Read it. He leaves. He's the religious leader. He's never read the book of Jesus. So when Muslims ask this leader about Jesus, what does he tell them? Nothing. He's never read the book. Although Jesus mentioned 93 times in the Quran, but he do not know all the stories about Christ. And sadly, millions today, millions have no access to Christian information. We praise God for the web, but many countries have a law. There's a law. You cannot have a Bible. There's a law. You cannot be baptized. There's a law that if there's even a church building in that country, they cannot invite Muslims to the church. It is so sad. It's a 21st century. People lose their life because they want to choose another religion. This is the 1040 window. And the next slide shows the number of Muslims in America. Seven million Muslims now live in this country. One of the young ladies who did the Bridges study, 16-year-old uh, student, she went through the Bridges study. You can do it as an app. You can do it online. You can get some of the materials. But the Bridges study is how to build bridges with Muslims. So she decided to do prayer walking. I love prayer walking. It's a no-brainer. You just walk and pray and let God move. 
she discovered that her neighbors are from Egypt. So she started talking to the daughter, her same age, and the mom invited her in, and the Egyptians are very hospitable people, so they're drinking chai, Egyptian chai, and the mom says to her, you are a nice American. She goes, thank you. She goes, we've lived in this house for six years. Six years, you're the first American to enter our house. Six years. There are people around us. This is not about a conference. This is not about a training. It's not about like we're trying to get more Republicans or Democrats. It's about Jesus. They are our neighbors. Seven million Muslims now. We need to reach out to them. Many of them come as students, as doctors, as engineers, as immigrants, as refugees. The next slide shows you that we have a struggle in Islam. Today, the mess we are in the Muslim world. This is the first time in history that the news goes all over. From Morocco to Indonesia, Muslims are watching how other Muslims are acting. Terrorism on the increase. On Friday, ISIS took over another town. They're back. Taliban is back. The, the, the terrorism is happening all the time. And when you look at the darkness we're in, we, look, we see that the only hope is Jesus. The Jesus who took me out of my darkness. And when we look at this, Jesus gives us a command. The verse in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says, you are the light of the world. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light everyone in the house. Next verse. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What's happening today to the church is we look at the darkness and we run to the other side. And Jesus saying, when you look at the darkness, you are the light. What? You are the light. The first time I read this, I said, no, Lord, I can't be the light. I'm from Beirut. I have issues. I have weaknesses. How can I be the light? See, when Jesus saves you, you become like a relationship between the moon and the sun. The moon does not have light of its own. It reflects the light of the sun. You and I don't have the light of our own. Jesus is the light. But he's saying, you reflect my light. You reflect my light. And I love this verse. Jesus says, when you see the darkness, you are the light. And everybody says, oh, you know, darkness? I don't want to shine the light in the darkness. I want to shine it in the light. How can you shine the light in the light? Everybody says, stay, stay. And God wants us to go, go. See, if we do a comparison between light and darkness, if this room was dark, how much light do I need? Doesn't matter, just a little light. Remember that beautiful song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, just a little light. And light, when there's darkness, shows a path. Shows you truth from error. What happens today in the church? We let someone else speak for us. What does the church believe on racism? If you're interested, read on the abolitionists. The abolitionists. John Woolman, a Quaker. Abolished slavery in the Quaker community before even we talked about it. Because he was reading the Bible. Read on the abolitionists who love Jesus so much. They knew that's a sin to own someone else, another human. So light shows a path. Today, the Muslim world needs the light of Jesus.
blowing themselves up and killing each other for, for uh, whether denominations and sectarian violence. And then the light will get us out, but always lights impact darkness. Light always defeats darkness. So it doesn't matter how much light you can shine. It always defeats the darkness around you. And Jesus saying, you are the light. I was on a mission trip in Europe this uh, May, but in January I was on a trip to the Middle East. And uh, with a name like Fuad, I always get randomly selected. <laughs> Sorry, I've been in America too long. So, so I'm standing there. Um, sweet lady in Europe is asking me. She pulls my passport, looks at my picture, and you know, notices I got more gray hair now. And she goes, Mr. Masri, what do you do? I said to her, I'm a Christian minister. She goes, where were you? I told her the countries I was in. And she goes, what were you doing there? I said, uh, we were working with refugees. And she said, are these refugees Muslim or Christian? I said, ma'am, we don't ask. And Jesus told us to love all people, to serve all people. We don't ask. I mean, we can guess a little bit from the dress, maybe from the name, but we don't ask. So she smiled and she goes, yeah, Jesus is universal. Here, here's your passport. Get on the plane. My brother and my sister, when you shine the light, you shine the light to all people. I was in a state here in America. I won't say they have a good football team. I won't say the name of the state. I'm speaking to an elder. This is what he said to me. For odd Muslims don't deserve the gospel. Oh, who deserves the gospel? Who, Hawkeyes? Hoosiers, you know, are you Hoosiers? Because I live in the Who deserves the gospel? When Jesus looked from his throne... Who deserved the gospel? In the Bible it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What joy? Nobody was a believer yet. He endured the cross because he saw you, he saw me, he saw the kingdom of God. He saw the sheep that's coming from another sheepfold. Nobody deserves the gospel. We shine the light because Jesus told us, you are the light. The darkness needs the light of Jesus. The more we sit on the outside, we're not obeying Jesus. We are not obeying Jesus. Jesus says, when you see the darkness, you run to the darkness. I can't tell you how when we do this, God moves. Uh, a, a teenager, a high school student was working in a, in a burger joint, right? Is that how you call it in America, burger joint? She asked her friends, what are you guys doing Friday? Do you want to go to the movies? And they said, no, Friday we have a Bible study. She was shocked that Christians read the Bible. For two years, she attended the Bible study. Two years later, she got baptized. I know her. I said, why did you get baptized? She goes, the way people love me, the way people answer my question, the way you love God, the way you pray to God. I never heard of anything like that. Ali is a, is a Shia. He's on a vacation in Latin America. He sits on the flight. From everybody on the plane, he sits next to a pastor who took the training in Spanish, Bridges Puentes. Of everybody. God is actively involved on this planet. For everybody, he sits there. The guy shares the gospel with him, gives him a Bible. A year later, Ali gets baptized because of one verse. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. Imam Hassan, he's an imam in the Arabian Gulf. He decides to visit friends in Nebraska. So when his friends at work, he decides to go to Starbucks and read. While he's sitting there, an American guy said, hey, where are you from? He told them. They started talking. So every day the guy will come to Starbucks and they talk about Jesus. They give him an Arabic Bible. The imam is reading the Bible and he decides to become a believer. I said to him, Hassan, why did you become a believer? He said, Jesus says, Min athmarihim From their fruit you shall know them. 
He said, I've never heard anything like this. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was an imam, a religious leader. Somebody shined the light. Somebody loved on him. Muhammad, born and raised in the, in the Midwest. On Friday, he goes to the mosque. On Sunday, he walks five blocks. There's an African-American church down the street. Five years later, he comes a believer. I said, Muhammad, why do you come believer? He said to me, I cannot get over how much they love me. I would go and argue with the minister, and sometimes I was mean to Jesus and the Christians, and they just loved him back. He, I just talked to him last week. Great man. He loves the Lord. In a Muslim country, the, the secret service. Oh, don't you love that? It's the 21st century. There are countries that have secret service that checks out the Christian. So 10 men doing a Bible study in a Muslim country, the secret service catches them, throws them in prison. What do you think they did? They continued the Bible study, shined the light, so other inmates started getting saved. So the head of the prison got upset, brought them to his office. He said, you're creating trouble for me. I'm going to do a new strategy. I'm separating you. Each one is going to a different prison. Thank you very much. Church planting. <laughs> you are the light. You are the light in darkness. You are in light and darkness. An Iraqi refugee finds out that his neighbor is an Arab believer. He asks him for a Bible. He reads the Bible for nine months and becomes a believer. He gets baptized. He's so scared to tell his wife. Finally, his wife says, you know, you're changed. What's going on? He says to her, I got baptized. She got so mad. They live in one room. They have a side, a corner for the kitchen. She got so mad. As you say in America, she blew a gasket. And she put a cord in the middle of the room and put a blanket. She said, you are a kafir. You are an infidel. You live on this side. I live on this side. Nine months later, she wanted to get baptized. So the pastor said, why do you want to get baptized? She goes, I know my husband before Jesus, and I know my husband after Jesus. Jesus is different. You are the light of the world. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, sitting in a Bible study. Moroccans, Iraqis, Syrians, Lebanese, a lot of food, a lot of rice flying everywhere. <laughs> we're sitting there, and we're studying the story when Jesus healed the paralyzed man. Abdullah, Sunni from Iraq, first time. I said to Abdullah, Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and says to him, your sins are forgiven. Can a prophet forgive sins? If Jesus was just a man, just a prophet, can he forgive sins? And Abdullah says, no, no, Jesus is more than a prophet. I've been reading the Bible for three months. I believe Jesus is more than a prophet. I said to him, would you like to take Jesus as your Savior from sin? He said, yes. And he prayed and took Jesus as Savior right there. God moves when you shine the light. When you shine the light. I was speaking in, in, a, in the city of Columbus, Ohio. And I, this sweet lady comes up. She goes, Father, my neighbor is from Somalia. She saw her own father get shot, tied to the bumper of a car, dragged down the street. I said to her, God bless you. You're ministering this person. You're loving on her. You're listening to her story. I said to her, read Psalms to her. Let us see what the Bible, how the Bible comforts us. Comforts us. Your church has many ways to get involved. Many ways. You guys host the Sudani community. Wow. My dad's, one of my dad's best friends was from Khartoum, Sudan, who loved the Lord. Was a great man of God. The Sudani people are sweet people. They've suffered a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you can help in that. Maybe you can help with international students. I love how you are 
having involvement with international students. You know, the loneliest time when you came to America is being an, as an international student. I mean, I came here as an international student. I promise you, I'd hear. <laughs> the loneliest time in America was Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. What are you going to do? You're not going to fly miles back home. So, and on television, welcome to America. Christmas about Santa Claus. Easter is about rabbit season. And you could live in this country for six years, four years, and never hear the gospel. It is so sad that America has become this way. Even the name of our Savior many times is used as a curse word. And I think, how come we don't sue them for that? You know, why, why you, I, I love Jesus. Why are you using his name as a curse word? But many times international students need an attention, need someone to show them love. A Sunni athlete uh, about 18 months ago was talking to a, an Arab belie believer. He didn't know. He was Shia. So the Sunni is talking to the Shia, and the Shia told him, well, I became Christian. And so the Sunni now wants to know why the Shia became Christian. And the Shia led the Sunni to Christ. Isn't God great? Amazing how God works. And I had the honor to baptize the student. Maybe you say to me, I don't know if there are Muslims in my community. Okay. We'll go on a mission trip. This is our trip. This is our trip in uh, London, England. It's a picture of a Saudi. Can we see the Saudi? Yep. He's, she's walking. The next slide. She's getting her first Bible. They speak English. Come on a mission trip. You don't want to go to London? Come with us to Austria. You want to go to Austria? Come to Greece, Sicily, Lebanon. Our team in Lebanon baptized a couple who'd just been reading the Bible. You know, many times when we look on this and we think, is God doing anything? Yes, God is doing. In the last 20 years, more Muslims have come to faith in Christ than the previous 20 years. God can and will save Muslims. More Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years than 1,400 years. And then millions of Muslims are asking the question, who represents Islam? The verse that we want to focus on and the, the conclusion here is 2 Corinthians. Uh, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The next slide is going to show you the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. This morning while I'm speaking, God might be stirring your heart to reach Muslims. But my question as we go to prayer, do you believe God can use you to win a Muslim? I have a friend, every time he sees me, he taps me on the shoulder. Go get him, tiger. No, no, no. Do you believe God can use you? Do you believe God can use you? This is the Chesapeake Bay Tunnel Bridge. If we can have it up, please. I drove on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. This is, I've never driven. The next slide will show you how long this is. That's going into the Atlantic. God bless the United States of America. Wow. It goes in 18 miles into the Atlantic. There's a bridge, and then there's a tunnel. Standing here saying, I believe that I can drive on the bridge, that's not faith. If you believe, Fahad, you drive. Standing here in Iowa City saying, oh, I believe this is a strong bridge, that's belief. The Bible, when it says faith, is you drive the car. This morning, do you believe God can use you to shine the light to all people, not only Muslims? Maybe there are people you know who have been hurt by church. And after the service, you're going to pick up the phone. Maybe there is a relationship you're going to break. 
after the service, you go and say, buddy, I can't, I can't keep this relationship. Or maybe you need to start a relationship. And many times people around us, maybe Muslim, maybe Hindu, maybe just good all-American. I was on a flight from Indianapolis to Dallas. I got the aisle seat. This guy got the window seat. Big guy, tall. He said to me, well, what do you do? I said to him, I'm an evangelical minister. He said to me, I love baby Jesus. I said, sir, Jesus grew up and had more to say. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Who's going to shine the light to them? My challenge for you this morning, as we go to prayer, ask God to do one thing. Say, Lord, what is the one thing you want me to do after this? Maybe it's a student that you know. Maybe they're Muslim, maybe they're not. Maybe God's calling you to go on full-time Christian work. Yeah. Maybe some of you, are God is calling to go overseas. Or maybe God wants you just to be here and do the greatest thing, to pray for the salvation of Muslims. Let's pray together. Abba Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through him we can call you Abba. But this morning, Lord, millions, millions have never even heard that they can call you our Father who are in heaven. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus, your word become flesh. We thank you that he was born of the Virgin Mary, lived the perfect life, gave us great teachings, died on the cross for redemption, and rose from the dead for justification. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that ignites in us compassion for others and a passion to obey Jesus. So, Father, today we pray that you ignite in us love, faith, joy, grace, Lord, I pray that each one of us will be given one task to do after this church, church service. We pray, Lord, for the Muslims among us, that you will draw them to you and draw them closer. This morning, Lord, you ask us to bless and not to curse. So, Lord, we pray for Muslims. We pray that you bless Muslims. Bless Muslim fathers and Muslim mothers. Lord, we pray that you bless Muslim children. Father God, we pray that you bless Muslims with the true blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.